I had great times, and I'd be up wondering what we'd have done with our lives only for the time we spent in Glenrovers. Welcome to the Middle Pitch Podcast, where Tomás Mulcahy, Shawnee McGrath and more will be chatting to members and players about their memories of the club. All right, lads. Um, so welcome to our first podcast. Um, we have Tomas and Shani here. So just to start off there, um, Tomas, I suppose, first of all, could you maybe explain what we're trying to achieve from the podcast and also which will tie in with what we're trying to achieve, just mentioning maybe some of your earliest memories from, from playing with Den Rovers? Yeah, I suppose. Look, on did you come up with the concept? Um, and I'm sure over the next number of weeks, you, 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 you'll have the opportunity to talk to different and various people of of Glen Rovers fame, I suppose. And um, yeah, look, I, look, with no activity going on at the moment. I mean, it gives us an opportunity. We're seeing an awful lot on um, on our website and photographs of the old days and the older generation. And I think it's nice maybe just to have a, an opportunity. Myself and Shawnee are probably, the, the we'd say, the, the newer brigade. And maybe in the next couple of weeks, we, we'll have a chance to talk some of the older brigade. That are still hale and hearty, and um, and they can give us their memories of Glen Rovers as well, you know. And um, because look, the club is known the length and breadth of the country, and you know, the, the the names and the characters that have gone through there. And you know, you're you're kind of asking me what do I remember from my days? And I suppose it all filters back to our parents. And my father was very much involved with the club, played with the club, won senior county medals with the club. Uh, I have two brothers. Uh, Anthony and Liam deeply involved in, in, in the club as well and you know we lived in Bice Street there just off Blarney Street and kind of it was a nice little walk if you had to walk to Blackpool to Glen Rovers but when you got to the age you were just absolutely delighted to throw the gear bag in the hurley and the hurley in between the handles of the gear bag and up over the shoulder and off you went and uh, you just felt very very comfortable going there because you, you met so many friends and and I suppose, like from my father's perspective, like having played and you're listening to the history and you're and you're hearing about Paddy O'Connell and they called him the father of the Glen. He was the art, architect and the builder of the club. He organised the street leagues, you know. And I don't know if Shani was there or not, but Owen, I'm sure you were there when, like, you played in street leagues and we still have street leagues in the club, you know. When you go back over the history and and you say Paddy O'Connell, he was the man to put the street leagues in place, you know, and that kind of extended then to our underage activity. And then you had a guy, Tom O'Reilly, you know, and I used to hear my father talking about Tom O'Reilly and I'd hear him talking about Paddy O'Connell and all the great people. And, like, Tom O'Reilly was chairman of the Glen and Cynics for 30 years. Imagine that service, you know. Mm. That's incredible, right? So that's part and parcel of the history. And then... You go on and you say the likes of Dave O'Brien was Paddy O'Connell's successor because he then became the father of, Glen, of the Glen and everybody nearly went through, um, passed through Dave O'Brien at, at some stage, you know. So, um, and like my memories, I suppose, is 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 going to matches, obviously, with your father and you're, 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 you're looking at and you're hearing about the, the Connie and Sonny Buckley's, you know, from the eight in a row, 34 to 41, you know, you you might have seen Sonny Buckley around the club and, you know, you see him around Blackpool. And then you hear about Lynch and Ring and Cooper Mylan and Dave Creedon. 
you know, uh, Donny Donovan, Jimmy Lynham, who's still hailing Harty at the moment. Fantastic man. What a man for Glen Rovers. They were kind of the older generation. And then you hear about John Lyons and Dennis Collin and Patsy Hart and Teddy O'Brien and Martin Darty, Jerry Sullivan, Jackie Daly, Shawnee Kennefick, Bernie Hackett, all these guys, right? You know, and I was lucky enough, right? I mean, when I started out, these guys were in their prime with the Glen, you know, they were there in 76. And I remember 76 winning the county championship along the park and being there. And we all had to get as fast as we could up to the North Cathedral because Hartley was the captain and he was going down through Blackpool in a, in a kind of an open top car. I don't know who wanted the car at the time, Shani, but um, <laughs> to have an open top car, you must have. You must have Magnum PI. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, you had to be doing fairly well, right? You know, there, yeah. was, there was no open top bus, but and you're heading through Blackpool and, and you were going to the old clubhouse and, and, uh, that we had in Blackpool. I mean, that was that was opened, I think, in 1973 or something like that, you know. Uh, or, yeah, and also, or 53, the old clubhouse was opened and then your your pitch above in, in the, the, old, the, the, the bottom pitch in 1971 and you're there at that time and you've seen Jack Lynch, you know, and it's it's just incredible on all, the, on, all that type of memories that you'd have in the era. And I suppose like that is that is the onus that, that is on us now as non players to put something back into our club, Johnny, and to kind of develop what they did, right? Because it was their life, you know. And you know, I mentioned Fox Collins, you know, these guys, you know, I mean incredible. The amount of service and time they gave to the club was was just incredible. And um you know, you you Jack and you Christy ring and like that 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 kind of made us known all over the country, along with the playing and the car side of it. And you're growing up then and you you're seeing Martin Darty part of the three in a row team in nineteen seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight, and he's in the dressing room with you. And then you're seeing Christy Ring, who was a selector, and I played with Christy Junior myself at underage level, right, all the way through. And every match we scored to Christy Senior used to be there as well, right? You know, so when you're looking back in that memory as well, it, it was just fantastic to have that privilege and how, how, like everywhere you went, he was known, Christy Senior was known everywhere. And um, there you have him, and maybe he's in the dressing room, and maybe he's having a little word in your ear after the match or before the match and trying to show now a little skill or, or, or something that you should actually maybe try in the game as well, which was fantastic. Fantastic. And just just on that then, Tomas, did you probably take that for granted at the time that Christy Ring was in the dressing room and that like, or was it something that you, it was just always there and you kind of knew about it, but you just got on with it anyway. It was just Christy's, Christy Junior's dad, really. like It was Christy Junior's dad, but you see, on like as against television now, Right, you've seen all the famous players. You can see them, and you can play. You can press your remote and play back, and you can go back over matches which are seen over the last couple of weeks. I mean, there was very little of Christy Ring, and it's probably my greatest regret that I never saw him playing, right? Or I never seen much clip uh, uh, footage of him in match day, whether with the Glen or with the Cork. Because I mean, you talk to the Glen guys and all the songs that are written about him. Uh, you know, he was the best. The Glen boys would tell it there was no equal in the country, and there still is no equal. That Christy Ring was the best hurler ever. Now, the modern guy will argue, and you know, you have our own man Patrick, who was incredible, right? And then you've the Henry Shefflins of this world as well. So, like, it would be an interesting debate, you know, when you go back and you look at Christie's record 
and like you know, railway cups, the Motor County Chap should be what he won with with the Glen, the the the, the record with Cork. But having him inside the dressing room with you, like and having him on the sideline, and he was able to roar from the sideline as well. I know during matches and stuff like that as well. And and it must have been hard for Christy Junior himself, you know. I mean, trying to follow in the footsteps of of the legend that he was as well, right? You know. So, um, but like when you say Blackpool. It's 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 just the history, the sports, and the sportsmen of Blackpool. Like you know, and, and not alone Glen Rovers, but you're the boxers, you're the Harrier men. Here's one for Shawnee. You're the pigeon fanciers, Shawnee. Oh yeah, yeah. The birds, the birds. I was always into the birds myself. Yeah, you were the bowl players and stuff like that so. as well. And like they were all kind of part of our community, right? You know, so in the Glen, we're playing. Everybody was there. Was a, there was a drag on a Monday? You'd be with out with the Harriers and stuff like that. You know, so. It was just incredible, incredible times, and you know, um, and that's where I got into it. And you played the street leagues, and you came through the street leagues. And one man that I have to mention to me was the father of the Glen and Cynix was Paddy Mulcahy, and Paddy is still alive. He lives in Bantry now, but that man was just incredible what he did. He I mean he used to pick us up at our houses. If you didn't turn up at an architecture where we used to meet for the match, he had a minibus. He'd be straight up the hill and he'd be pulling you out of bed to get you out to play matches. And like back then, that was incredible. And and and, and I'd say he saved many players by getting them out, putting them on the right track for their own personal development and stuff, by getting them out and playing games. And Paddy used to take us everywhere in the bus to matches and drop us home afterwards. He was just an incredible guy. Fantastic yeah, I actually guy. Have, I had the pleasure of meeting him a few times. He was very good friends with my, my granddad and... He just has a very good way about him, doesn't he? he just as he's a he's a gentleman, like you could see how he he could take people under his wing and stuff like that, like you know. Yeah, but like, like, and you look at Paddy, and I was going through the, the spirit of the Glen book there recently, and you see him popping up in photographs on different development, um, committees within the club, um, part and parcel of the field development committee there in nineteen seventy one as well, and. And then to do what he was doing as a mentor, as a selector, and to do that, right? And and it kind of it's it's incredible when you see like all the great players that played, they were all part of committees, they all worked outside of the game, outside of the playing side of things as well, you know. John Lyons became an incredible officer, you know, um Finbar O'Neill, you know, you Donny Donovan there afterwards, you know, and like Paddy O'Connell, the man I mentioned, father of the Glen, he five county medals, senior county medals, right, you know, so, and then to do what he did afterwards was just incredible, so, like, Paddy Mullen to me stands up there with all of those guys. Very good, very good. And Shani, just, um, I don't think, uh, I don't think we'll be able to rival the, the history and the memories that Tomas have from in terms of names and stuff like that, but one name that stood out to me there and would have probably had an influence on your earlier career would have been uh, Dave O'Brien. Yeah, um, like obviously my memories are yeah are completely different. Um, I grew up in a different part of Cork, say or the city, say which was which was Mayfield. Um, I did play with Mayfield, right? But my father and Tomas mentioned his own parents. Like your, your parents are a huge influence on you. My dad went to England, working during the eighties was tough going. Um, and I kind of had a thing in my head about you know I'd lo- I I always loved the notion of being in a big club um, and getting a feeling of what it was like to be in a big club and. What was this aura about a team like the Glen? What was all the talk about, and what would the experience be like? Um, and I remember my dad saying at the time, "This is going back in the, the kind of late eighties." A guy came to the house called Paul McCarthy, Paul from Park Court, and 
came to the house for 30 minutes and left. And my dad, at the time, telephone call rang. And it was only 14. And he said, um, how did you get on? And the f- first thing I said was that he was a really, really nice guy. Um, and Paul, I, I'm not sure Tomas did Paul have much of a hurling career did Len, but as a guy, as, as a sort of an administrator officer, whatever title he had, he just spoke so fondly about the club. He created, in my head straight away, that there was a fantastic spirit there, that you have friends for life out of it. And he just seemed to love the place. And yeah. like that was left an impression on me because the names that Tomas has spoken about had great playing careers in their own right. And then I was looking at a fella that I don't think had a major career. And at the time, it kind of, kind of I found it a bit unusual that, you know, because I, I had never experienced this sort of big club scene. Why would a guy that didn't play a whole pie love something so much? And straight away on the phone call to my dad, said, yes, I'm going to go down there. I really, really, really like the chap. And the first intro I got to the club was an under-16B game with, as you said, Owen, um, Dave O'Brien, who was affectionately known as Dave. And from there on in, I was hooked again to the, 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 the sort of way they made you feel in the club and almost the love you got straight away. And what I loved as well was the ability to be serious when it came to training and match day. And then the fun and the crack. Um, the club was always a place where you could do anything. You could be yourself. You could do the goal or have a laugh in the dressing room. <laughs> no one ever really kind of pulled you back or restrained you. But there was a serious side when it came to match day. Like, again, my first big time experience coming down was I joined players like Richie Kelleher, a year older than me, Ken O'Callaghan, and Glenn Foley, uh, Colin Lee, Wayne Cockery, Gussie Dean, and we got to a 16 final against Ballon Colleague. So for me, like, the boys probably had experience bits of that coming up at FEDA level and, as Tomás said, the strict league stuff. But this is my first intro to this kind of a scene. Like, it was totally alien to me. And I just absolutely loved it. Um, and you're right, Owen, like, fellas like Dave from, like, I suppose I was kind of late getting into that scene at 15. The boys probably had it at eight or nine, ten-year-olds, seeing great teams, seeing great players around the club, listening to their parents talking about it. My upbringing, hurling upbringing, was different. But very, very quickly as a young teenager, you know, by 16 or 17, like, you were just a complete hooked, at the, hooked into the club. I had fellas like Liam Cashman at under 16, then we won a county, beat Ballyhay out in Granana, dirty wet day, and two selectors were the two Fitzgibbons, Kieran and John. So looking at Kieran playing great stuff uh, at senior level with the club, and then obviously John doing his stuff with the club and with, with Cork. Like it was an amazing time, um, it was an amazing experience, and then straight away, like after a very, very quick period of time, you just got the whole Glen scene, what it meant to be a Glen man, a Glen player to look out for him, whether it was later on in life when it became work and trying to get fit as work or trying to get work yourself. My first job ever was working for a fella called Harry Walsh, he sold office and school gear. He was a it was a Belfast company, but the first fellow that got me the job was was Ted Owens. Um, you know, you know, obviously Teddy was training cock at the time, but looked out for me and yeah. wasn't doing a whole pile. And Teddy said, "Go meet this guy." I went to Dublin and met him and got the job straight away. So everything like the whole community, your whole social outlook, your whole social upbringing, your whole sporting upbringing, and even falling into job stuff, everything seemed to revolve around the club. It was it's just an amazing place. So did you just sell us the seats or the, the, the remote control seats and the, the no halls, Johnny? <laughs> Do you know what? It's a funny one to ask. I actually, I, 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 I joined him in 98. And after, when I met Harry, Harry yeah. was a lovely man. Yeah. I met him in Dublin at the train station and all he spoke about 
was the retractable seating in Glen Rovers. No, I had to, I had to fudge it because I pretended I knew he had put him in. So I'm sitting inside an interview saying, "Jesus, Harry, I've never seen seats working as well as those seats." By yeah, and we and do the bingo and incredible, amazing, Leah, amazing, in- Leah, do today supply them. Incredible, incredible, yeah. Because I, I one guy, one as well, I mentioned it was Liam Otum who was was responsible for that. Really, to be honest with you, right? And look, he was an incredible clan man as well. You know, former player as well, and he was chairman for years and very, very progressive and. You know, when we moved on in time, that we had to move out of Blackpool, we had to go to, um, we had to, we had to go to Spring Lane to get the field that we did get in Spring Lane, and then to go up above and develop what we what we developed. Liam was very much involved in that as well, and uh, with Starry, obviously Starry O'Brien as well, you know. So, um, and like you, shot, you, you mentioned about the, the the remote control chairs and all that, like I mean, that. They've had some experience, you know, the people sitting on them, right? Clinch, you know, the day we opened, he was live broadcasting his home in Dublin and we had the, um, the president of the GA there, uh, Joe McDonough, and he's singing up on stage. And, like, it was an incredible, probably one of the best days in the club ever when we opened that, you know, way back, you know. And um, That would have been in 97, was it? It was 97, yeah, you know. And, like, I suppose, like, Shani mentioned Paul McCarthy. Like, Paul McCarthy is, like... Is still heavily involved. Paul would have been massively involved around the rage when he went and, and he poached Shawnee. He, he obviously poached Shawnee, yeah. It was tapped <laughs> up, yeah. It was tapped up, yeah. What was the transfer fee, Shawnee? What was the transfer fee again? I can't disclose that to me. Was oh, making cakes, I'd say. Two Chester cakes. You were still paying us. Chester cakes, yeah. And um, like, Paul is still heavily involved in bingo, our biggest source of income. And like for the man to be doing that and to be, we're talking about putting those chairs back at night time and getting tables ready for Monday and Saturday. Like, I mean, it's it's incredible. And you, great credit must go to all these guys. Mm. The two Callahans, Tomas. And the two Callahans, Willie and John and stuff like that as well. Right, you know, I mean, it's just incredible. The organisation of a club is is massive. So there is an onus and responsibility on us to keep that tradition going, to keep it live, to keep teams going, to keep the whole operation going. And Derek, Gargano as chairman and Paul O'Brien all these guys mm. the younger generation to take it to the next level again mm. absolutely yeah. yeah you even look at the small details like Paul McCarthy's son being involved as the club doctor which people wouldn't even kind of know like you know with those small things in the background that, that have the connections that are going back years and stuff like that is, is crazy um, I suppose Shani like what we spoke about, kind of your your career there over the last few weeks in terms of odd Glen Rovers and stuff like that, and you, you mentioned that you mightn't have been as successful as you you wished. But what would you say that you got most out of joining the Glen and being a member even at the moment? Um, yeah, I suppose just touching it there. Um, oh, I suppose that whole feeling of being part of something. Uh, it's not tangible. You can't put your hand on it. Um, you know, but you can feel it. Um. Okay, look, it's a bit corny, I suppose. You're the spirit of the Glen. I thought it was corny first before I joined, but there is a spirit there. You watched, um, Shani? You, saw, but, yeah. you thought it was corny? <laughs> I couldn't get it. I, I genuinely thought, like, what is all this about? I saw the 89 final, obviously from a distance, because I wasn't supporting the Glen. And, you know, I just I just couldn't fathom it. I couldn't kind of sense it. Like, how could I? I was outside looking in. But it's just, when you're in there, it's very, very hard to describe um, like Liam Cashman again mm-hmm. was a fella that I had a bad ankle I think it was around 90, 92 we were minors and uh, Liam had the bookie shop in, in Blackpool 
and I was off school. He'd come up during the morning break and he had this sort of, I don't know what it was, some sort of concoction he obviously got from a horse <laughs> meeting, but he was using it on horses. It ended up on my ankle anyway for about four weeks before championship. But at the time, <laughs> at the time... Did it make like... it run faster? <laughs> You're I did a, a pedigree, off it. A pedigree race, race also, were you? Liam was only out the door and I was in a bad voice after me. My ankle was on fire. It was like Jackie Daly going inside the dressing room when I came into the senior team first, like, and you're going into party yeah. creep before a big match and you're as nervous as hell and there's yeah. Teddy O'Brien in the corner and other fellas and you know, and even though your father was there and there's Jackie Daly going around with the battle in under his, his cardigan. <laughs> And but there was hit. Did you have a drop? Turn the drop. Have a drop. Yeah. Have a quick yeah. drop. You know. Imagine if you ever go that now, right? You know. It was yeah, incredible. I know. And like, yeah. an unbelievable character as well, Jackie Daly. Like, I mean, what do you get up to? You know, if they were playing, kind of, you know, and it, it was there when I was playing as well, right? You know, at the start of my career as well. Like, new slitters were kind of an early thing of the past. You'd never mm. get a new slitter for training or anything, you know. And even match days, like if you were playing. And you were playing with a with, with a wind or against the wind, like they could soak the slitters like the night before. They'd be they'd be they'd be deadly heavy, and then you yeah. had them painting the slitters white. You yeah. know, it was incredible, incredible what they got up to. You know, so yeah. but they were they were yeah. they, they were they were alive, Tomas. Like like I again, my experiences are different to yours. But in '98, we we had um if I do remember this, Tomas, actually the two more selectors or managers, whatever, Shawnee Kenefick and, and Jackie Daly. That's and, right. Um, yeah. When we used to throw the balls out, the training was still as intense as it is now. It was different, though. But a lot of the session was made around uh, throwing 15 or 16 or 20 balls out and you were allowed to go off yeah. for five or ten minutes, pull, pick, over the head, whatever. But mm. the session would be on after five minutes and Shani Kenneth would be in the middle. I don't know what age he was at the time, but he was That's pushing fine. on anyway. Yeah, Shani yeah. was inside in the middle of it. They were infectious. They were alive. They were, they were guys that were full of, full of energy. And that rubbed off on you. Yeah, Sean, he was an incredible hurler. And he, like, he was a selector for our team in 1989 um, when we won the county that time. And um, you Donny Donovan and you John Lyons and uh, Tom Corbett, you know. Um, but Sean, he, you're right, like he'd take part in the training session, right, you know. Mm. He was out there mm. throwing the balls and he's, he's flaked it left and right as well, right, you know. So, yeah, yeah. they were brilliant people. Incredible. Yeah, and I know, like, just going back on the question, I suppose, like, apart from sporting memories um, and all that, friendships is probably the one thing that springs to mind. Like, Kenny Cal's had a stag a couple of weeks ago. Um, unfortunately, the poor, poor chap has to call off the wedding no, until next year. We'll have another stag next next February. Thank please God. <laughs> we'll get Sarmali this again. But um, all the guys that were at my wedding, all the weddings that I was at, um, and fellas that, you know, if anything was wrong or if 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 I needed a bit of a dig out, or if any fella needed a dig out, the first fella I would think of is is a Glen man, whether it was Richie or Kenny or Tomas himself, any fella that I either played with or come across. Just I suppose friendship springs to mind. Owen. and I remember from the from day one when Paul McCarthy came to the house way back in whether it was late eighty nine or early nineteen ninety, I remember saying that to myself, my mother, that you'll have friends for life out of this place, and true to his word, that is the case. Like. Excellent, Shani. Thanks very much. And I think friendship is a great place to finish our, our first Glen Rovers chat. Um, personally, I've made unbelievable friends from the club. And Tomas, thanks there for your amazing insight. Um, great names. And I'm sure we probably we missed a couple, but we'll get those over the next few weeks when Shani and Tomas are chatting to, to different members about different aspects of the club. Just a small thing now going on to the current situation. Um, and one last question for you, lads. Um, do you think we will see hurling this year? I, 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 I honestly, on 
I suppose everybody and every player that's out there is probably looking to say, can we can can we get back playing matches and stuff like that? I can't see it happening this year, to be honest with you. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe October, and um, things will have cleared up big time. Um, but the way it is now, I can't see it, you know, and I can't see them how they can differentiate between an inter-county game and a club game or vice versa, you know. Now, the one good thing that maybe that has come out is that I think Cork County Board have been very strong that they want club activity before inter-county activity because obviously clubs, uh, county boards need revenue. They need gate receipts. But will it happen? I'm I'm not so sure. One, I, I mean, I've spoken to one or two guys in, on the medical side of things and like they're saying alone, right, even for you take Rebelogue. Rebelogue cater for 7,000 matches a year. That's an awful lot of games. That's only up to minor level, right? And then you take after that the amount of games that would actually there that would would take place from a club perspective. How is it going to be managed and policed in terms of you're probably looking at uh, a thermometer check going into games or coming out of games? You might be looking at swabbing in terms of a week before a match or after a game and stuff like that as well. And who's going to police all that? You know, it's. The, the logistics of it is going to be absolutely massive. Now, you would hope, and we're all hoping, um, that everything clears up and like they might be able to get back in, into some activity. But I find it hard and kind of even there's the announcement about the leaving certs, you know, being pushed back to the end of July and then it's cancelled. You know, I kind of, I feel for all those people that were out there to do their leaving cert, to be honest with you. And you're saying that's that was kind of a, a July, then we're August into September and like that's how can we cater for count our count club or county matches countrywide? I think it's just going to be very very difficult. What do you think, Shani? Yeah, um, I wholeheartedly agree with Mass. I mean, they need to make a call once and for all as well. Like, there's nothing worse, say, the academic side where you you might have exams, you don't have exams, and now it looks like it's all off again. Sure, things are yoing yeah. too much. You know, it's not right. I suppose what it goes to show as well a little bit, and this is where you've got your club and county thing going on. Like our club is structured, solid, and we know where we are with finances and we know where we are with what comes in and what goes out. And I suppose when you see how dependent county boards are and county teams are on revenue, sponsors, etc., etc., it might maybe get people to take stock on how silly the thing has gotten um, and how balanced club sides are. We don't really need huge money to put a team out when it comes to the Glen. Whereas I think with the backroom scene and jerseys well, and all well, that. When was the last time that finance meeting you were at, Sean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this um, is broadcasting they, to the they, masses. They, our finances are rock solid. And they'll take donations <laughs> as well, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apologies, I retract all that. <laughs> but you know the picture I'm making? Like, I know. The club scene versus yeah. county. Like, the county scene has gotten a little bit silly and... I think the G are holding out a little bit at the moment on a bigger scale, obviously the county scale, because they don't want to see sponsors going and they you know, they want to see the commercial side maybe surviving and maybe trying to get what they can out of the scene. Um I heard a rumour whispered on how solid it is that they're looking at having a championship run towards the tail end of this year, running into Paddy's Day next year with the other final Paddy's Day. Look, I don't know. For me, I think the season needs to be called off once and for all. Players know then that, look, this is where I stand, whether I let myself go or not, fair enough. I'll have plenty of time to catch up. But I think at the moment, some players aren't sure, should I go for a run? Should I go for a few pucks? Do I, do I keep myself taking over? Um, and look, I think ultimately the GA will need to be fair on players yeah. and let them know once and for all what the story is. Um, I don't think it's fair at the moment, to be honest. 
Thanks, lads, and hopefully we'll see some action by the end of the year. Also, thanks, everybody, for listening to the first podcast from the Middle Pitch, and hopefully we'll get to hear some more stories from members over the coming weeks. We are Blackpool, and we are Glen Rovers.